It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always, our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. On a spring morning in 1974, two undercover drug agents for the Youngstown Police Department, childhood friends who had become law enforcement partners, went on a hunting trip. One returned, the other was never seen again. This is the story of John Robick. John Robick was from Boardman Township, a large, busy suburb south of Youngstown in Mahoning County. He was one of five children born to John Sr. and Marion Robick. John went to parochial school and started high school at Cardinal Mooney, but in his sophomore year, he transferred to Boardman High. There, he joined the football team and was a talented tackle. He even earned the Hatchet Man Award from his coach for making 11 tackles in a single game. An injury sidelined him in his senior year, so he had to give that up. But he still loved sports, immersed himself in all things outdoors, and worked his way up to a brown belt in karate. After John graduated in 1968, he went to Youngstown State University to study education. He wanted to be a teacher. He collected his degree, got engaged to his sweetheart, Linda, and in the spring of 1974, he landed his first full-time teaching job. He was hired by the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown, which operates several schools in the area. The position wasn't going to start until the fall, so John continued to pay his bills from his other two jobs. He worked as an assistant manager in the men's department of Kmart in Austintown, and he was a bouncer at a popular Youngstown bar called The Apartment. He shared those bouncing duties with an old friend of his, Ken Swartz. The two had known each other since they were boys and went to Cardinal Mooney together their freshman year, though Ken stayed at Cardinal Mooney when John made the move to Boardman. One night, John and Ken were working at the bar when Youngstown Police Detective Jack Lynch approached them about a high-risk but exciting opportunity. 
How would they like to become undercover narcotics agents? Ken had some experience with law enforcement. He had spent part of 1972 working for the Mill Creek Park Police Department. And John had a few months until his teaching job started, so they both said yes. And in March of 1974, John Robeck, now 24 years old, resigned from his Kmart job to begin his unexpected, though temporary, career. They were paid scale wages and served as unsworn officers, but John got a rush from dipping into Youngstown's underworld and feeding information about drug buys to the police. John loved being undercover, according to his sister Carol, who spoke to the Boardman News for a story several years ago. The job didn't last long, however, because two months after it began, John had vanished. It happened on Friday, May the 31st. John still lived with his parents and siblings on Amherst Avenue in Boardman. About 6.30 a.m., Mr. Robick was preparing to leave for work when he noticed John's car was parked in front of the house. That wouldn't do. He was having a load of topsoil delivered that afternoon. So he slipped into John's bedroom to ask that he move his car before the truck arrived so the dirt could be dumped at the berm. John assured him he would. At 10.30 a.m., John's sister Carol was busy packing for a trip to Florida when Ken Swartz showed up at the house. Her brother and Ken had plans to hunt groundhogs in Green Township, a site off Roller Road, and she watched as they walked away, both dressed in camouflage clothing and John carrying his rifle. At 3.30 that afternoon, Mr. Robeck returned home from work and saw that John had never moved his car. He was irritated. The delivery driver had no choice but to drop all that dirt in the driveway. He'd be having a word with John about that. A bit later, Ken Swartz returned to the house alone to drop off John's paycheck. Mr. Robick asked where his son was. Ken said he'd dropped him off earlier and had no idea where John was. He cut the conversation short and left, saying he needed to get to work. Mr. Robick's anger had turned into concern. Where would John be if he hadn't taken his car? Mr. Robeck is deceased now, but in that Boardman news story from 2012, the family shared notes that he kept about his son's disappearance. In his account, Mr. Robeck wrote, My wife was worried, and I became upset because I knew something was wrong. That car would have been moved. Hours passed. John didn't come home. The Robecks called John's boss, the detective Jack Lynch, who had recruited him, to say they were very worried about his absence. Lynch told them to give it time, since they couldn't file a missing persons report for 24 hours anyway. So they waited, and as soon as the 24th hour passed on June the 1st, they called Lynch to start the ball rolling. Lynch told Mr. Robeck he'd have to file the report with the Boardman Police Department. But Mr. Robeck still pressed on, asking Lynch if he had spoken to Ken about John. Lynch responded he couldn't reach Ken. 
Ken was out shopping with his wife. Mr. Robeck wrote in his personal notes, This seemed awfully strange to us, as Swartz's partner was missing, and neither Lynch nor Swartz seemed to be worried. Mr. Robeck's next phone call was to the Boardman police, and they sent a patrolman over to take down a missing persons report. Soon after that, Boardman Police Chief Grant Hess showed up at the house and told the family he knew John was working undercover and he would take charge of the case. But the next person to show up at the house was Detective Jack Lynch. He wanted John's records. John kept two books recording his drug buys. Lynch took one of the ledgers, as well as a bag of marijuana John had purchased as part of his work. Incidentally, the Boardman News reported in 2017 they were able to get a copy of the second ledger, which was still in the family's possession, though nobody could locate the book that had been taken by Lynch that day in 1974. During Lynch's visit that day, according to Mr. Robeck, Lynch said John and Ken were the best team he ever had, and then added something cryptic. Mr. Robeck wrote in his notes that Lynch said, John was straight and Swartz had been in trouble at times. He said there was a cloud over Swartz's head, but went no further. John's friends and family organized a search for him. They started at the site where the two buddies were supposed to be hunting groundhogs. They found nothing. But apparently, somebody had seen something. Because according to Mr. Robeck, quote, My younger son Brian and I were there many times. We heard nothing from the police except that a railroad track repair crew working in the area had seen two men go into a wooded area and only one came out. Throughout this trying time for the Robeck family, Ken Swartz was noticeably absent. He never joined the search party, never visited the Robicks again, not even to inquire about his missing friend and partner. His silence was disturbing, given their long-time relationship with him. Mrs. Robeck even recalled her son saying how he wouldn't have gone to work at the Youngstown PD unless Ken was his partner. They were that close. Officially, the investigation was being conducted by three departments, Jack Lynch at the Youngstown PD, Chief Hess in Boardman, and the Mahoning County Sheriff, Bill Johns. Together, they told reporters not to expect much information. They'd been doing their research secretly because of the nature of John's undercover work, and they needed to protect his family and others. The family seemed to learn just enough to be bothered by the state of the investigation, For instance, a detective told the family that Jack Lynch's report said nobody had seen John leave the house the morning he vanished. That was a direct contradiction to the eyewitness report given by John's sister, Carol, who was home and saw both of the men. They also learned Ken Swartz had told Lynch that they'd gone hunting, killed a single groundhog, and that Ken had dropped John off by 11.30 a.m., That was one hour after they'd left. What kind of hunting trip takes one hour, Mr. Robeck wondered. There was another disturbing revelation. 
Mr. Robeck was a printer at the Youngstown Vindicator, and the day after his son went missing, while he was working, he noticed a classified ad in the paper offering several guns for sale. The phone number listed in the ad belonged to Ken Swartz. Mr. Robeck called Detective Lynch to tell him about the ad and that he discovered John's guns were missing. Lynch called him back to say he talked to Ken, and Ken said John had given him the guns to sell. Well, months passed. The case grew cold. Ken continued to work for the Youngstown Police Department. And then, in June of 1975, a year after John vanished, it looked as if he may have been found. A fisherman had spotted something floating in a stone quarry off Newcastle, Columbiana Road in Springfield Township. That's about a 20-minute drive from John's home. He entered the water to have a better look and saw it was a human torso. It was blue-gray, missing its head, its arms, and the legs below the knee, and was so decomposed he couldn't tell if it was male or female. The fisherman walked away from this. He went home and sat around for two days thinking about it. On the third day, he decided to call the sheriff. Deputies returned to the site and could not find the body. The sheriff noted it had been raining hard and runoff pouring into the quarry could easily have moved the remains or covered it with debris. Mahoning County Sheriff deputies returned to the quarry and searched several times. I'm sorry to tell you, I could not find a newspaper account of them ever finding that torso again. Either they didn't find it or they found it and proved it wasn't John because John's still missing and his family is still waiting to learn why. There was remarkably very little written about this case when it happened. If it weren't for the Boardman News and the recent reporting of John Darnell, it likely would have remained hidden away. Darnell's report also gave an account of what happened to Ken Swartz in the years that followed. He had been living with his mom on Melbourne Avenue and at one point had agreed to give a full interview to Detective Glenn Riddle of the Boardman Police Department. But Riddle said Ken later canceled that interview and moved out of Boardman. He worked for Youngstown Police for at least another year and held several other jobs in law enforcement, including a two-year stint with the Liberty Police Department that ended when grant money for that position ran out. Police also told Darnell about a couple of shadowy incidents. In 1972, when Ken was a patrolman for Mill Creek Park Police, his assignment included picking up the day's receipt from the municipal golf course. One day, he picked up two money bags, but only returned to the office with one of them. He reported the other bag had been stolen from his cruiser, when he left it unattended in the back of the vehicle for a short time. And then, in 1975, a year after John's disappearance, Ken took part in a raid on a Hilton Avenue address. After the raid, there were allegations that some of the money and other items taken from the house had gone missing. On that raid was an undercover agent named Pat Baraducci, 
who went on to become Boardman's chief of police and later the chief in Medina, Ohio. In 2012, the chief told the Boardman News that raid was the only time he ever worked with Ken Swartz, and afterward he was warned by a Youngstown detective, never meet Swartz anywhere alone. In September of 1987, John Robeck was declared legally dead. A Mahoning County judge allowed his former fiance, who had been listed as the beneficiary of the life insurance policy John had while working for the Youngstown Police Department, to claim that money. A couple years after that, the Robecks met with investigators to discuss their son's cold case. It was the 15th anniversary of his disappearance. Mr. Robeck wrote in his notes that both the Boardman and Youngstown Police Departments, quote, admitted that all they had about John was a missing persons report and that the case had been badly mishandled, outright bungled. Ken Swartz eventually left Ohio and lived in several states. The Boardman News learned that in 1989, he was charged with burglary of a residence and theft of firearms in Colorado. When that happened, the charge drew the attention of the Youngstown Police Department, and a detective called out to Colorado and asked that Swartz be held so they could question him about the John Robeck disappearance. Swartz was supposed to turn himself in there, but he never did, and the effort to question Swartz met another dead end. That's it for a 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save